Hello, welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Tom Ladis. I am a professor at the Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences and a clinical pharmacy specialist at the Stratton VA Medical Center in Albany, New York. I also serve as one of the scientific editors for Pharmacotherapy. Today, we are talking with Dr. Lena Ming about her paper entitled, Comprehensive Guidance for Antibiotic Dosing in Obese Patients. Dr. Ming is an infectious disease pharmacist and residency preceptor at Stanford Health Center. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ming. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for the opportunity to have this discussion on an important topic. And antibiotic dosing in obesity is challenging, and uh, the literature is quite limited. So uh, based on our review of the literature, I hope to shed some light on this topic today. I'd first like to take a moment to acknowledge the rest of the antimicrobial stewardship team at Stanford who helped put this together, Stan Derzinski and Mar Marissa Holabar and Emily Mui. So Dr. Meng, I was um, very much excited to read your paper. I think this is indeed a very comprehensive um, review on antibiotic dosing in patients with obesity. I think you did a very nice job summarizing um, some of the considerations in these patients, as well as what to do with you know, our commonly used antibiotics. Uh, so, um, before we start getting into a discussion of what we should do in, in terms of dosing individual antibiotics um, in patients with obesity, I thought it'd be worthwhile if you could briefly describe the physiologic alterations commonly seen in obesity that affects the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics of antibiotics. Sure. The impact of obesity on drug processing and dosing is complicated and multifactorial. It takes into account many different patient, pathogen, and drug characteristics. A few of the commonly described physiological changes include increases in adipose and lean muscle mass, both of which can increase volume of distribution. Increases in adipose tissue are likely to increase the volume of distribution of lipophilic drugs, whereas increases in lean muscle mass are likely to increase the volume of distribution of hydrophilic drugs. Secondly, larger kidneys and increased renal blood flow observed in obese patients may increase renal drug clearance. Obese patients, however, also, common, also commonly have concomitant conditions that counteract some of these increased PK parameters observed. For example, obesity-related nephropathy may decrease renal clearance, or fatty liver, often associated with obese patients, may limit or impair hepatic metabolism. Overall, it's difficult to predict dosing changes solely based on physiological changes and drug characteristics, in particularly lipophilicity, because there are so many permutations and other confounding variables in the real-life clinical setting. So from our review of the literature, we found that dosing strategies in obese patients not only vary between classes, I think that's been described previously, but what was really interesting is that we found significant differences even within classes. Um, particularly cephalosporins as an example, and we'll talk about that later. So um, dosing really must be carefully and individually assessed, and certainly we need more research with many agents um, in different in different depths. Um, the bottom line I would say is that not all PK changes resulting from obesity may result in a clinically meaningful dose change. All right, well, thank you for that summary. And, and I think the one thing that always comes up in clinical practice is, you know, a lot of the antibiotics we use, whether it be the penicillin, cephalosporins, or even vancomycin, are renally eliminated. So the, the one question when we have a patient who presents with obesity is, 
you know, does um, obesity substantially alter the clearance of antibiotics that are cleared by the kidneys? Um, if it does, does this degree of augmented renal clearance of renally eliminated drugs um, merit a dose increase? That that is an interesting question and um, has many has different layers to it. Um, while obesity alone may augment renal clearance, um, obesity again is often it often presents with concomitant conditions that also contribute to augmented clearance. Um, so the extent of these changes in clearance are variable from what we reviewed, and only some of them lead to a clinically relevant dose change, especially when you start to look at the changes and in concentrations observed relative to MICs and sites of infection, et cetera. So I'll start with uh, some interesting examples that we found. Uh, again, I'd like to talk a little bit about the cephalosporin class. Cephapime, ceftaroline, and ceftolazine, for example, are all renally eliminated and show increased volume of distribution and clearance in obesity. But data so far indicates that no dose adjustments are required for the latter two, while cefepime may require dose increases at creatinine clearances over 100, particularly if targeting a pathogen like Pseudomonas aeruginosa with an MIC at the breakpoint of 16. Um, looking at the carbapenems, all of which are renally eliminated, meropenem, but not doripenem or ertapenem, warrant dose adjustments in obesity. These observations may be explained by the relative change of volume of distribution to clearance with each of these drugs. Since maintenance doses are impacted significantly by a drug's half-life and elimination, and, and these are related by the ratio of volume of distribution of, to clearance, uh, a relatively larger increase in clearance can ultimately drive the dosing requirements. Okay, I, I saw it appears that you know, when we think about patients with augmented renal function, um, there's no real hard and fast rule, and, and we always have to go back to what the individual um, data tells us with a given drug. Um, another thing that often comes up is, <clears throat> that we often struggle with is, in a patient with obesity is, you know, what body size descriptor should we use to dose antibiotics? Should we dose them on actual body weight? Should we dose them on adjusted body weight? So I thought your paper did a very nice job reviewing all the common body size descriptors. And I thought perhaps if you can just give us a summary of some of the common body size descriptors for dosing antibiotics. And the one thing I always like to ask people is, you know, what is your favorite? If when, when, you're, when you're thinking about these body size descriptors and, you know, they all have very similar power functions to weight, um, do you have a preferred descriptor or, or is it uncleared? And, you know, again, much like we talked about enhanced renal function, uh, with different antibiotics affecting dosing, um, do we have to consider different body size descriptors sure. um, for That's different antibiotics? That's a very relevant question that comes up daily. Um, it's not clear from the literature of any single descriptor is the most accurate. Common body size descriptors include ideal, adjusted, lean body weight, and fat-free weight. Of these, adjusted body weight is widely used for weight-based dosing of antibiotics in obese patients. Um, in the absence of guidelines or data, an antibiotics classification of as lipophilic or hydrophilic has largely been used to steer the selection of a dosing weight scaler. Um, it's commonly thought that total body weight should be used for lipophilic antibiotics, while adjusted or lean body weight be used for hydrophilic antibiotics. However, no single size descriptor correlates accurately with volume of distribution or clearance in obese patients, so I, I still think this remains unclear. Um, what 
does seem to be the most prevalent practice is to use adjusted body weight or, or dose capping. Um, and I think this is just a reflection of the acknowledgement that dosing increases in obese patients don't scale proportionally with their excess weight gain. And I, I think I would tend to agree with that as, as just a practice preference. No, I, I would agree it as well. And, and I think, um, you know, at our institution, uh, we tend to default to adjust the body weight because of the, um, the lack of scaling issues with total body weight in patients with obesity. And, and it's more at a convenience because I think there's a certain comfort level. But um, I appreciate um, you on this podcast as well as the paper really um, reviewing the complexity of the different body size descriptors and, and how they apply to different drugs. So, you know, um, I mean, I think you did a very nice job of, of really kind of summarizing all the considerations. And, you know, I, I think it'd be hopeful, again, I know you mentioned this in the previous questions, but it always comes up with beta-lactams. You know, um, if you can please identify a few situations where we do need to use higher doses of beta-lactams, again, in patients with obesity, and not only what are the beta-lactams, but what are the clinical scenarios. And the one that always comes up in um, antibiotic, uh, whether it be subcommittee or antibiotic stewardship discussions is, um, when you have a um, for surgical prophylaxis, do you need to double that cefazolam dose or, or double, um, you know, a, a, another beta-lactams that's used in the setting of surgical prophylaxis? A couple scenarios where increased beta-lactam doses are required, um, and it, it really depends on the, the drug. So I'll go through some of the ones that exemplify that principle. Um, Interestingly, when we looked at the literature, we found huge variability in beta-lactam levels reported in obese patients, especially those with critical illness, fluctuating renal function. Some of them had renal replacement therapy as well, um, and many of them had augmented renal clearance. So um, what we found is that in many cases, higher doses or prolonged infusions of beta-lactams like piperacillin, meropenem, ceftazidime, and cefepime are important. Again, especially when targeting pathogens with higher MICs. Um, now, we talk about surgical prophylaxis. I think um, more research is certainly needed. Um, many of the studies that exist look at blood levels as surrogate of tissue levels, but this may not be appropriate since there may be a poor correlation of tissue and serum levels in obese patients. Tissue penetration is notoriously known to be inadequate with many cephalosporins, and the general impulse is to increase the dose, but this really needs further studies. Um, in fact, in some cases, we may be perhaps overdosing the patient. Um, you know, in one example, a recent study showed that a single preoperative dose of cefazolin 2 grams in bariatric surgery um, confirmed that less than 8% of drug penetrates into adipose tissue, but this was still sufficient to cover for MICs of 1%, with MSSA in procedures under four hours. And, and the nice thing is that they also did not see any increase in surgical site infections within 30 days. So I think there's a lot that's not known in this area. Um, so I think that, that field needs more clarification. But at least with many of the beta-lactams used in our critical care units or within the hospital for therapeutic purposes, many of those have more and more shown that prolonged infusions or higher doses are important. All right, thank you. Well, how about aminoglycosylphenolones? Um, do we need higher doses in patients with obesity? Um, I, I think you did a very nice job suggesting that we should not be using um, actual body weight as the dosing body size descriptor 
Um, perhaps there's a different body size descriptors for these drugs in patients with obesity. Sure. Starting with aminoglycosides, we did find that higher doses are usually needed in obese patients and that adjusted body weight should be the initial dosing scalar for weight-based dosing. Um, this is consistent with current practice recommendations, and we did not find anything different. Um, however, with fluoroquinolones, we did not have uniform recommendations because of variable findings. With levofloxacin, obese patients with a creatinine clearance greater than 60 may require doses over 750 milligrams daily when treating gram-negative pathogens, whereas with moxifloxacin, no dose adjustment is suggested. With ciprofloxacin, there are only a few cases, so there, we felt that there was insufficient data to make broad recommendations. Um, the only area where we thought that data was, was sufficient for recommendations was with septic patients on CRRT, where we recommend higher than normal doses for those over 90 kilograms. So in those cases, 400 milligrams Q8 hours at a minimum should be used. For those over 140 kilograms, they may not achieve their pharmacodynamic goals even at MICs of 0.5. So in these cases, it may be reasonable to consider alternative antibiotics. All right, thank you for that. And, you know, I, uh, I think the one drug, you know, that we really struggle with is, is vancomycin. I mean, we have a set of recommendations within the consensus guidelines, um, but when we try to apply them in clinical practice, we often see wide variability um, in the associated trough values um, in these patients. So in kind of reviewing the data, I think the first question that comes up with vancomycin dosing in patients with obesity is, do we need loading doses? If yes, uh, what loading dose strategy do you recommend? Or what do you think is the preferred loading dose strategy based on the literature? And then second, um, you know, what maintenance dose should we consider in, in patients uh, with obesity for vancomycin? This is a dense topic, and I think it's undergoing some pretty significant changes. But at least with the data we have so far um, that are based mostly on dosing strategies that target troughs, um, you know, I think it just overall it seems like lower doses are needed. Um, interestingly, some of the alternative dosing strategies used to target obese patients include allometric dosing, divided loading dose strategies, continuous infusions, to name a few. Um, again, all of these strategies targeted troughs and not AUC, but this is a different issue. Um, I will speak to our recommendations that were based on what was published, which is all trough-based dosing. First, to address loading doses, the optimal dose is not clear from the literature on obesity, but I can describe what has been done. The use of loading doses was widely used and variable, um, and many of the loading doses used were comparable on a, mig on a milligram basis, they were comparable to those given in non-obese patients. So we did see significant dose reductions from the standard 25 to 30 mg per kg load in the 2009 guidelines. Um, for example, one paper um, using a divided loading dose protocol in obese patients administered 2 grams in most of their patients as the loading dose. And 87% of those patients achieved goal target troughs within 12 hours. So that was successful, yet they did not require massive amounts of loading dose uh, amounts. Um, 
having said that, I think our field is really moving towards dosing by AUC and future doses or future studies are needed to kind of evaluate the role and benefit of loading doses using AUC-based dosing strategies in obese populations. Now, moving on to um, maintenance doses, uh, we, we again see reductions in maintenance doses needed for obese patients if we, if we maintain dosing by total body weight. So current guidelines recommend about 15 mg per kg every 12 to 8 hours dosing. But in obese patients, we found that a reduction to approximately 20 to 30 milligrams per kilograms per day by total body weight may be more, uh, may optimize achievement of goal troughs. Um, and, and additionally, there seem to be some differences depending on the degree of obesity. For patients that are extremely obese with EMIs over 40, they seem to require even less dosing. So maybe 20 to 25 milligrams per kilograms per day. Um, this was, this was a, an interesting finding from a large VA study with um, obese patients. Um, so um, in our recommendations, we overall have reduced loading dose recommendations and reduced maintenance dose recommendations, we suggest a dose cap of 4.5 grams initially per day. Um, we also would suggest and recommend AUC-guided dose revisions uh, using software capable of Bayesian analysis if possible, um, or if not, then the use of two-point measurements would, would provide more precise dosing. All right, thank you. Um, how about daptomycin and televancin? Very similar to vancomycin. Uh, this is a circumstance for these two drugs that the packet insert states that they should be dosed on actual body weight. Um, but my question for you is, in, in your review of the literature, do you think the data actually supports this? Um, if it does not, how do you think um, these drugs should be dosed in patients with obesity? Um, in particular, um, what do you think the preferred body size descriptor um, is for dosing um, these two drugs in patients with obesity? For both of these drugs, we came up with recommendations different from that in the package insert. Um, reviewing the literature with daptomycin, we ended up recommending dosing by adjusted body weight instead of total body weight. From a PK standpoint, when comparing dosing by total body weight, dosing based on adjusted body weight provided similar exposures and, and the closest match um, compared to non-obese patients. Um, additionally, there's some uh, there's recent studies that suggest that dosing daptomycin by even ideal body weight result in similar clinical and safety outcomes in obese patients. Uh, now, looking at you know the risk of say dosing daptomycin um, too high, if, if there's you know what is that threshold if we if we know if we know it, um, daptomycin safety has been reported at doses of, of 10 to 12 mg per kg per day. But there's less safety in obese patients. That wasn't the focus of any of those studies. Um, daptomycin clearance doesn't increase proportionally in obese patients, so practitioners should still be cognizant of dose-dependent musculoskeletal toxicity that often lead to discontinuation. Um, even though this number is small, it's about 6% of patients, um, it, it is still a risk that practitioners should be aware of. Um, this has been this toxicity has been described with increasing BMI classes. So um, to kind of balance efficacy and toxicity risks, our recommendation is to use adjusted body weight 
rhodactomycin dosing and to monitor CKs closely. Now with Televancin, the manufacturer recommends dosing by total body weight. But this is not, it's not clear if this applies to obese patients too, as they don't just make that distinction. Um, what we, we do have an ongoing trial, a uh, phase one trial, looking at Televancin dosing in this population. And so far, the preliminary analysis shows that dose capping at 1,000 milligrams in those over 100 kilos might be appropriate um, and might achieve similar drug exposure and decrease the risk of renal toxicity that has been described as nearly tripled at BMIs greater than 35. All right, excellent. And, and I really appreciate you providing um, the audience you know, clear guidance on, on how you think the preferred dosing of these agents are in patients with obesity. Uh, Lena, another one we struggle with, polymyxins. What do you think? How do you think we should dose these drugs in patients with obesity? This comes up all the time. Increased colistin and polymyxin B doses are often required in severe infections in obese patients, um, but there, it, this may be limited by toxicities. Um, I think obese patients will reach that threshold faster. Um, I mean, granted, polymyxin data is really limited. There's only one case report, but uh, so far, these drugs have pretty significant toxicities associated with them, um, and there are proposed maximum doses in the literature. Um, at these maximum doses, if they are applied in obese patients, they would be grossly underdosing, especially for higher MICs that may be seen in infections with Pseudomonas aeruginosa and Acinetobacter uh, baumannii. Um, and in these cases, it, it's reasonable to really use alternative antibiotics. All right, thank you. Um, you know, in, in this review, I think the one thing that really stands out is, is we have heterogeneous data across our different antibiotics, both within classes and between classes. So, you know, the one thing I always think about in, in, in these types of reviews is, I, I understand what we have, but I guess the question I would ask of you is moving forward, uh, what do you think from both a regulatory and clinical perspective do we need to ensure that we are able to optimally dose antibiotics in patients with obesity? And kind of thinking about what types of data do we need, what types of studies need to be performed? Um, do you think we should have some sort of standardized uh, number of studies um, in patients with obesity when drugs come to market, um, given that over 30% of U.S. patients have a BMI over 30? Yeah, I really think that that is what is ultimately needed to guide dosing, because right now we are often stuck with extrapolating dosing recommendations based on just a handful of cases or scattered reports here and there, and, and that's just not adequate. Um, so, you know, of course, we definitely need more PKPD studies um, and, and inclusion of obese patients in all phases of clinical trials would be important. Um, and I think what's uh, it's being done more often now is is looking at clinical outcomes in obese patients, um, but but kind of with the older drugs, we're kind of missing that sort of data. So um, kind of looking at whether changes in uh, PKPD changes um, really correlate to a benefit uh, in outcomes once we alter and modify the dosing strategy. Um, I think that will guide a lot of our dosing in the future. Um, and overall, because there are so many different competing factors that may, may still impact um, dosing in obese patients, um, particularly in 
um, critically ill patients and those with renal dysfunction, et cetera. Um, it's really important to individualize dose, dosing. Um, therapeutic drug monitoring will be increasingly important. Uh, it's not commonly performed in the clinical setting, but more access to that would really help push forward um, publications and dissemination of dose, dosing strategies in this population. Right, thank you. And, and I would agree. I, I think we should be therapeutically drug monitoring every antibiotic, um, particularly those patients underrepresented in clinical trial, clinical trials, and this includes both patients who are obese, underweight, as well as those with uh, different degrees of renal um, function. And when we think about patients with infections, this is pretty much everybody. Um, so, so, Lena, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate um, you taking time for this podcast. Um, this was an excellent paper. I would encourage everybody who's listening um, to read it if you have not read it. And I just wanted to acknowledge all your hard work that you and your co-authors have done. And I just wanted to provide you with an opportunity if you had any concluding marks that you'd like to make to the audience. Thanks for the engaging questions today. Um, hopefully I've shed a little more light on this topic. All right, thank you. And this concludes today's podcast. Thank you for listening to another ACCP podcast episode. Our theme music is called Rocket Power and is licensed by Creative Commons. Please take a moment to recommend this podcast and subscribe via iTunes so that you'll get notified of when our next episode will be released.